Hey, everybody. All right. So we are, um, we're in part 18 of this Cultivate Lesson series. And tonight or this morning, we are going to be talking about something that I think we all have in common, especially right now. And that is uh, unanswered prayer. And I think if you've done any praying at all in your life, you've got experience with unanswered prayer. And so we're going to talk about cultivating a trusting heart by trying to get to the bottom of what's the deal with unanswered prayers. Because the Bible says an awful lot of very lofty things, very bold statements about prayer. Um, and so let's start out with that. James chapter 5, verse 13. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come over and pray for you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, James obviously feels very strongly about the power of prayer. James obviously feels like it is one of the most powerful and one of the most... Uh, productive things that a follower of Jesus can do. But I don't know about you. I can't read those kinds of things without feeling either vaguely unsettled or just downright discouraged because of all of the, what I would have considered to be unanswered prayers that I have experienced in my life. Take, you, know, you add to that what Jesus says here in John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And yet I ask myself when I ask for things and I don't get them, what does that mean? And a lot of times people will think, well, that means either there's something wrong with me or maybe there's something wrong with God. Maybe I don't have enough faith. Maybe some people will say God's not powerful enough to, to handle this. Uh, and so it's like we struggle. It's like, what is the deal with unanswered prayer? How do, we, how do we deal with it? Luckily, there are a ton of unanswered prayers in the Bible. Uh, there are probably more unanswered prayers in the Bible than there are answered prayers. If you went through and actually kind of marked them all down and, and, and counted them all out. I've never done it. This is just uh, sort of me kind of shooting from the hip. But it seems like there are more unanswered prayers than there are answered prayers in the Bible. And so we're going to go to a few of those today. And we're going to try to wrap our brains around this concept of unanswered prayer. And when the Bible makes such bold statements about the power of prayer, and then it doesn't seem to work that way in my own life. What does that mean? So we'll use the help of some people in the Bible to get to the bottom of this. We will also use the help of one of my favorite people from popular culture, Bruce Almighty, because that's really what the movie Bruce Almighty was about. It centers around the concept of unanswered prayer. Bruce, in the beginning of the movie, thinks God's not doing a very good job. He claims he could do a much better job than God, and so God gives him the opportunity. And what we're going to watch right now is the deal made between God and Bruce. Let's watch. 
rules? Yeah, you left in such a rush, I didn't get a chance to explain. Two extra fingers freak me out a little bit. <laughs> I just figured I'd get your attention. <laughs> anyway, here's the deal. You have all my powers. Use them any way you choose. There are only two rules. You can't tell anybody you're God. Believe me, you don't want that kind of attention. And you can't mess with free will. Uh-huh. Can I ask why? Yes, you can. That's the beauty of it. This is amazing. Speaking of amazing, excuse me. Since you're through with these, I think I'll keep them. Might come in handy someday. See you around, kid. Where are you going? I'm taking a vacation. God doesn't take vacations, does he? Do ye? Do you ever hear of the Dark Ages? Besides, I'm covered. You can clear everything up in five minutes if you want to. <laughs> right? Ciao. So what follows is Bruce trying to prove that he could fix in five minutes what God has been spending thousands and thousands and thousands of years trying, well, not trying, but dealing with on his own. And Bruce is going to learn what, well, the problems with being God. And so we're going to kind of go through uh, this Bruce's story a little bit. We're going to kind of visit several characters or people from the Bible and we're going to talk about four different categories of unanswered prayer. The first kind of, the first category of unanswered prayer is just no. <laughs> just uh-uh. Um, oftentimes we ask things and we think that they've gone unanswered and it turns out that God just said no. And that was it. And so we think it was unanswered. It was answered. It just wasn't the answer that we wanted. Uh, you know, when Jonathan was little, he would ask for things all the time that I'd say, no, not because I didn't want him to have good things, but because a lot of times the things that he was asking for just weren't good for him. I know I can remember when I was a kid asking my parents for things that they said no. And I thought they were just trying to ruin my life at the time. It took me many years later till I got to the point where I was like, oh, they knew what they were doing. That would have been really bad for me. Same thing when it comes to the things that we ask God for. There are some things that just wouldn't be good for us. And so God just says, no. Um, Moses got told no all the time. Abraham got told no all the time. David got told no all the time. Even Jesus's mother, Mary, gets told no. Jesus himself gets a no at one point in a prayer. And we'll come back and talk about that at the end of this lesson. But we don't even have to go far. We can just stay in the Gospels. Uh, there's a moment in the Bible, in Jesus' ministry, kind of towards the end, right before he heads to Jerusalem for the last time, where Jesus takes his disciples up onto a mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration. It's in the north of Israel. Um, I was actually there just about, uh, like, I don't know, three three months and a week ago, something like that. And and he took them up there. It was sort of like this last minute 
pep rally, I think, for him. It's called the Mount of Transfiguration. And on that mountain, Jesus was transfigured. He has this last last moment meeting with God. And then Elijah and Moses actually show up. Now, I don't know what transfiguration means. What we're told is that he became so bright that they couldn't look at him. James, John, and uh, Andrew, or Peter, were with him. And so in Mark chapter 9, verse 5, Peter says to Jesus, Teacher, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Peter did not know what to say because he and the others were so frightened. Peter does this a lot. He doesn't know what to say, so he says anything. He doesn't even necessarily have it on his mind. It just starts talking and stuff comes out. And sometimes it's brilliant and sometimes it's not so much. And here is one of those times where he says, let's stay here. Right? They are having a figurative and literal mountaintop experience. And Peter is like, I don't ever want this to end. Let's just stay here. And Jesus says, no, we have to go back down, Peter. Even though it's hard down there in the valley, even though it's dangerous down there in the valley, we have to go back. He gets a no. Uh, Would we like it if every prayer we ever prayed was answered with a yes? Well, we would like to think so. Let's watch this. Prayers, prayers, okay, prayers. Uh, this creepy whisper thing has to <clears throat> organization and management. That's what I need. I need a system, something concrete. Concentrate. Files. Let all prayers be organized into files. Well, that takes care of the voices. Not exactly a space saver, though. Grace might notice. Prayer post-its. Okay, I need something with a lock. Security combination, password. Password. You've got prayers. Welcome to the Revelation Superhighway. We bless. No mess. Downloading now. It's good. It's good. This is going to take a while. One million five hundred twenty-seven thousand five hundred and three prayer requests. Is everybody happy? Would we all be happy if every single one of our prayers was just answered by God? Yes. And he just gave us everything that we asked for. Not so much. Um, There's even one of the most popular country songs in all of human history. Unanswered Prayers by Garth Brooks, right? Revolves around this concept. 
And I'm guessing most of you know this song. He says that uh, years after he had graduated from high school, he goes back to his hometown with his wife and they go to a football game and he runs into his old high school flame, the girl that he dated through high school. And he says, every day I prayed and asked that God would just let me marry her. And he says, uh, as we got to talking, I started to realize she wasn't quite the prize I remembered her being. And I could tell by looking at her, she was thinking the same thing about me. And he says, as she walked away, I looked at my wife and then in there, I thanked the good Lord for the gifts in my life. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. And it's a brilliant song and it's a brilliant concept. And, and it's really true, but it's not like every time that we have an unanswered prayer, it's, we look back later and think, oh, I'm so glad I didn't get what I asked for. Now, maybe we will when we get to heaven. Maybe then it will all make sense. But there are times now where we just really don't understand. Matthew 20, verses 21 through 22. James and John's mom comes to Jesus. She says, promise that one of my sons will sit at your right side and one of them will sit at your left side in your kingdom. But Jesus said, you don't understand what you're asking. How many times must God say that to us when we ask him for the things that we ask him for in our prayers? You don't understand what you're asking. You know, Janet was talking about, you know, kind of rolling her eyes at what her son Zale was doing when he got down there. I, I did the same things. I sold water processors in uh, Abilene, Texas, when it was at its most depressed during the oil just crash of the late 80s. And I never sold one thing. But I remember the, the ad that I responded to. Right? I was looking for a job, and then back when you would look in the paper, and it said, wanted, management trainee candidates, must be available to go to the Bahamas in January. And I thought, I'm available to go to the Bahamas in January. And so I ran to that place, man. And I could just see God up in heaven going, oh, gosh, I guess everybody's got to learn this stuff on their own. We don't understand what we're asking for. But beyond that, we should thank God for unanswered prayers, even when we don't understand them later. Because have you ever stopped and thought that a lot of your unanswered prayers involve another person? A lot of other people's unanswered prayers involve you. And so, like, have you ever had somebody who liked you romantically, but you did not like them back? Right? And I guarantee you that other person was praying every night, just like Garth Brooks was, that God would make you theirs. And so, you know, we need to thank God sometimes for other people's unanswered prayers as well. Luke chapter 9, verse 54 says, when James and John saw this, they saw that uh, this, this village in Israel had rejected Jesus and the disciples. And so they said, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? And Jesus said, no. And so if you're a person who was in that village, you should thank God for unanswered prayers, right? It is much more complicated than we would like to think. I remember when I went to my 20-year high school reunion, and there was a girl that I had a huge crush on. I never dated her. She was way out of my league, but I, I had a crush on her all through high school. And I prayed all the time, God, you know, 
I, even though I knew she was out of my league, I still, it didn't stop me from praying that God would make her mine. Went back for my 20th anniversary reunion, and I remember I was sitting there talking to some friends, and I looked across the room, and I saw her, and she saw me, and I saw her look away, and I saw her mouth the words, thank God for unanswered prayers, right? Because she, you, sometimes we need to thank God for our unanswered prayers because other people are praying on our behalf, and we wouldn't like what God, if God would give it to them. So the first category of unanswered prayers is no. Second category is slow. In other words, not yet, right? It's something God wants us to get, wants to give us. It's just not time yet. In Habakkuk chapter two, verse three, God says, "These things I plan, they won't happen right away." Slowly, steadily, surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, wait patiently for it. Surely will take place. It will not be delayed. But it'll take time. It, it won't start. It won't. God won't be hurried. He also won't be uh, held back when the time comes. I don't know if this has ever happened to you where you're praying that God would do something and do something and do something. And, and then all of a sudden when the time comes for him to do it, it's like happening faster than you would like it to happen. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Now slow down, right? It's like God has his timing. And so when we pray and ask him for something that he wants to give us, but it's not time, then his answer is just slow. Let's watch this. Almighty. <laughs> Not as easy as it looks, is it, son? This God business. They're all out of control. It's mayhem. I, I don't know what to do. Well, you're right on time. Seven o'clock. Seventh at seven. thing. No matter how filthy something gets, you can always clean it right up. There were so many. I just gave them all what they wanted. Yeah. But since when does anyone have a clue about what they want? Whoever wrote that movie, whoever wrote that screenplay was brilliant and understood the concept of unanswered prayer and free will and got the problems that God has with all of this just in such depth. It blows me away. Um, since when does anybody have a clue about what's going to make them happy? And I don't know how many times I've asked for something that I realized later. Oh, thank God I didn't get that. And how many times I've asked myself why God wasn't hurrying things along when obviously it's time and then it turns out, no, no, it's not. And how many times I've jumped ahead and tried to grab something that I thought God wanted me to have earlier than God wanted me to have it. So sometimes God just says, 
slow. It's just not time yet. So we've got no, we've got slow. The third category of unanswered prayer is grow. And this kind of goes along with slow, but it's not just about timing. It's also about, I'm not ready yet. In uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30, the Bible says, Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who wait for the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Now, I can't read this, this particular scripture without showing this clip from the movie My Cousin Vinny. Let's watch. Is it possible to two youths... To what? What was that word? Uh, What word? To what? What? Did you say utes? Yeah, two utes. What is a ute? Oh, excuse me, Your Honor. Two youths. Is it possible the two defendants entered the store? Now, what does that clip have to do with the lesson? Absolutely nothing. I just can't read that verse without thinking of the even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But what will happen to those who wait for the Lord? Well, the Bible says they find new strength. Now, this isn't strength you never knew you had that God reveals to you. This is strength you never had. This is brand new. This is supernatural power poured out from heaven into your life. And what does it take for me to get that kind of power? Waiting for God. Now, what does it mean to wait for God? I used to think it meant just, you know, you know, just just sitting around and waiting until it was time. Right. That's the that's what the second one is about. It's it's slow. It's not time yet. But grow means Not only is it not time yet, you're not ready yet. So biblical waiting is not just about sitting around. It is about doing everything you already know that you're supposed to be doing while you wait for God's vision to be unleashed in your life for your future. And so what are the things that I I should be doing, that I should already know that I should be doing? Well, I always think about the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5. It's a catalog, an exhaustive catalog, I think, of the character of Jesus. It is also virtues that we need to be putting into practice in our own lives so that we can become more like Him. So it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Nine things, right? You look at those things and you're like, well, all of us are going to look at them and think, wow, I'm pretty good at a couple of those. Just naturally pretty good at those. There are a few that I am naturally really bad at. And then the other ones I just kind of, you know, they're kind of in this, in this continuum between those things. What we're tempted to do is say, well, I'm no good at patience, so I'm just not even going to work on that. But I'm really good at self-control, so I'm going to lean into that one. Or I'm really good at, you know, whatever. What God wants is for you to continue to grow in your strengths, but to also be working on the things that are weaknesses for you. While you're waiting. And if you do, then the time comes where he is ready. Well, where you've become. Where you've grown to a point where you are ready for whatever he has for you next. And so like when it comes to uh, unanswered prayer, we, we all need to grow in patience, right? 
We all need to grow in, in finding and experiencing peace, even when we are in a real hurry, and God is obviously not. We need to all be working on how to express and pursue joy, even when that's not something that necessarily we feel like pursuing right now. We need to learn how to be, how to show self-control, how to find and express more humility in our lives. And if you're thinking, well, what does humility even look like? You want to know what humility looks like? It looks like this. Let's watch. We'll see here in a minute where that leads to in our last video clip for the lesson. But there's one thing I don't like about that particular clip is where he says, I give up, you win. That's God's not your opponent. Okay? We make opponents, we, we, we make God our opponent all the time. Bible has this, in Romans, it has this, this, uh, this verse that talks about even when we were still his enemies, Jesus died for us. And I always thought that meant that that God considered me his enemy. And now I look at that and I think, no, we had declared him our enemy. And even when that was going on, he died for us. He gave his life. It's not that he wants us to lose. He wants us to realize that we were created to live in relationship with him. And I do like at the end when he says, I want you to decide what's right for me. That's humility. That is one of the most beautiful statements. God is waiting to hear that from each and every one of us. And when we get there, we are, we are pretty close to that place that he needs us to be before he is ready to use us. And so we've got these three different categories for, that we've already looked at. Know, slow, and grow. Now the fourth one is, I don't know. Because there's a fourth category of unanswered prayer that that I don't understand why he doesn't answer them the way that I think that he should answer them. There are things in my life, uh, Judy and I, you know, we had, uh, Jonathan, when, when we decided we wanted to have our first kid, everything went smoothly, like clockwork. When we decided it was time for our second one, she had a miscarriage. When we decided we were going to try again, she had another miscarriage. I prayed during those times and poured my heart out more than I can remember ever pouring my heart out and yet, he didn't answer that prayer. Why not? I don't know. I don't know. When I had my heart attack, uh, and I was in the, uh, in the ambulance on the way to the hospital, my friend Jolly, uh, who a lot of you know, uh, he goes to church here, he, just a couple of weeks before I had my heart attack, he came to church and he said, he said, I had a scare last week. He said, I, I felt like I was having a heart attack. And so Sheila, his wife, drove him to the hospital and he got there and it turned out it really wasn't, it, whatever it was, it wasn't a heart attack and it really wasn't that huge of a deal. And I can remember thinking about him as I was driving into the hospital thinking maybe that'll be the same thing for me. 
Maybe this won't be a lasting thing for me at all. Maybe it won't be an issue at all. And I got there and they said, no, you had a heart attack and you need a stint and it's going to take a while for you to get your strength back. And I thought, well, now why did Jolly get, you know, to have it not be a heart attack? And I don't. Why? Why? I don't know. Maybe Jolly's a better person than me, right? Maybe he is. I'm glad that you all didn't shout out amen right then when I said that. But I don't know why. I do know this. I do know that at the heart of the gospel, the heart of the Bible story, at the heart of the story of Jesus who came to this earth to save us, to rescue us, at the heart of that story is unanswered prayer. An unanswered prayer that Jesus asks for in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he dies. In Matthew 26, verse 39, he went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. And what he gets from God when he says, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me is no. Three times. Three times he prays that prayer. Sweating drops like blood. Basically begging. Even though he knew, right? Intellectually, he knew the plan. He knew why he had to die. He knew that he had come to die. He knew all of that. But he had this human side to him too. That it is really hard to get our hearts to feel okay about what our brains are able to wrap their brain, their mind, our minds around. Right? It's like I can, I, can, I can talk about suffering. I can talk about the book of Job and Adam and Eve and, and the plan of God. And why suffering has to exist. And yet when I'm going through it, my heart does not want to say oh yeah, it's all going to be okay. No problem. When we get to that point, all I can say is, I don't know. I don't know why Jesus had to go through that. I mean, I do, but I don't. I don't know why we have to go through it. I don't know how long we will have to go through it. I just know this, at the heart of the gospel, at the heart of the story of Jesus is unanswered prayer. But the more that we are able to say like Jesus did, not my will, but yours be done. Something really interesting happens. Something really beautiful happens. And that is, we get to know God better. We understand the heart of the Father better. And that changes us. One more video clip and we're done. I surrender to your will. Can't kneel down in the middle of a highway and live to talk about it, son. But why? Why now? Bruce, you have the divine spark. You have the gift for bringing joy and laughter to the world. I know, I created you. Quit bragging. <laughs> See, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's the spark. I want you to pray, son. Go ahead. Use them. 
Um, Lord, feed the hungry and bring peace to all of mankind. How's that? Great. If you want to be Miss America. <laughs> now, come on. What do you really care about? You want it back? No. I want her to be happy. No matter what that means, I want her to find someone who'll treat her with all the love she deserved from me. That's the most powerful prayer I think you can pray. Lord, do the best thing for everybody involved and work it out better than I could hope for or imagine on my own. We're going to talk about prayer next week, about how to pray, about how Jesus taught us to pray. But for this week, looking at this concept of unanswered prayer, the more that we are able to get to that point that Bruce gets to at the end of the movie. And if you've seen the movie, you know he ends up not with everything he had asked for in the beginning, but he gets more of something he didn't even ask for and took for granted and realizes afterwards is more beautiful than what he had asked for in the first place. And so, as Bruce does that, he, well, he begins to develop the heart of God within him. And that's really the point of prayer all along. Finish with this, Matthew 6, verses 5 through 6. Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you'll begin to sense His grace. And that's the purpose of prayer, ultimately. Right? It is powerful. It can change the world. But mostly what it does is change you. So for your follow-through step for week 18... Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place. Just follow Jesus' uh, advice. And when you get there and you are being there as honestly as you can manage, spend some time thinking about the unanswered prayers of your life and how you can let go of what you perceive to be God's failings. And it's okay to tell him that you consider them to be failings. He's not afraid of our, uh, of our disappointment. So... Uh, your memory verse will be that one that we just read, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 6. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your son and for the fact that he was willing to go through what we have to go through and experience unanswered prayer and feeling like you are not near and that you don't care, even if he knew that the answer to that was 
was was that that it wasn't true. So, Lord, we just pray that you will help us to, I don't know, to accept the unanswered prayers in our lives, to understand that, that even the things that we don't know why they happened or why you let them happen, that you are able to work out something beautiful in our future in spite of them. And and that when we get to heaven and we finally see you on the other side of eternity, that that the prayer is that we will be able to look back and say, okay, now I get it. Now I understand. But until then, teach us to trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.